that one of the things if you've been on you know LinkedIn that you probably see a lot if you're listening is people breaking down cold emails, right? Or mostly, actually not that, it's mostly people critiquing emails and what makes them so bad. And what I'm excited to do today is uh, we're going to break down uh, an email that was submitted from a rep. And uh, we're going to talk about what's good and bad about this email. And then we're also going to help this rep rewrite the email. So um, if you're catching this podcast for the first time, my name is Jason Bay. Welcome to Blissful Prospecting. Uh, in this podcast, I have conversations with top reps, sales leaders, and other experts to teach you how to turn complete strangers into paying customers. Uh, today, we're doing some cold email breakdowns with Will Allred. He's the co-founder and COO at Lavender. So we're going to dig into the framework behind a great cold email. He's got some really good data from the Lavender platform on sort of what's working, what isn't, a lot of really counterintuitive things. And then we're going to break down an email. Uh, Will, excited to do this with you, man. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate you bringing me on. This is, uh, this is exciting. We're going to yeah, dive into some email facts first, I know, but um, you, know, you and I were chatting beforehand. I'm, I'm psyched to rewrite one live. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's talk real kind of quick about, um, I want to talk about Lavender and how people are using, you know, sort of Lavender to, you know, make better emails. But before we get to that, you know, what was kind of the thought behind, you know, creating Lavender? I know it's sort of adjusted a lot, but it seems like recently people are, it's more of a tool for salespeople these days. I know it didn't really start, you know, with that being the attention. You want to give us just a quick, you know, kind of backstory on what Lavender is and you know, what you guys are doing and where we get all this kind of cool data from? Yeah. How we got started is an interesting story because um, we became a sales tool I won't say it's by accident, but we had to pivot into the space. My co-founder and I met at a hackathon in Atlanta back in 2018, and we were building sales tech for about two, almost two and a half years uh, following that moment. And you know, the idea was you put in a marketing list and we'd segment it by the psychological traits of the individual you're reaching out to. Um, I'd been in marketing consulting before that. And, you know, I was running a lot of these campaigns for pretty large companies. And regardless of the size of the company, one of the things I kept coming across is like, regardless of our understanding of the individual we're reaching out to, the, the actual content we're putting out there is largely guesswork. And so these psychological profiles yeah. just made so much sense to me as far as like giving us a step up when it comes to understanding why we're talking about the value props that we're talking about, for example or you know, how we frame problems that people are facing. And so we worked on that for two years. Um, we saw some good traction, worked with groups like Gravity Blankets, um, and start of COVID, you know, marketing spend got a big yank, uh, especially from these larger consumer brands. We had um, you know, some co-working uh, situations that we were working with, and like obviously co-working wasn't hot in March of 2020. So we yeah. we had to we had to pull back and and reassess what we were doing. Um, we had access to a lot of really good data, and we were building out these content tools to help folks. So it's like great. I tell you, you're marketing to an extrovert, and you're like, well, what does that mean, right? So we had to build some tools to help make that easier. 
And so we took some of those tools, we took some of that data, and we brought it into the inbox. Um, and the idea was, you know, maybe it'll generate some cash flow on the side while we try to figure out what's going on with the marketing business. Turns out it was a pretty good business in and of itself. And so we started to focus on that full time, um, really starting to hone it in for making it the most helpful assistant for salespeople possible. Um, later in 2020, um, you know, we, we went through some iterations of trying to figure out who it was built for, right? It's, a uh, an entrepreneurial nightmare to have a cool product and not know who you solve problems for. <laughs> uh, <and> salespeople <laughs> yeah. kind of found, yeah. So salespeople kind of found the product and they, um, they um, really championed it for us, which is you know, something we talk about to this day is our best sales reps are the people who use our product. Um, yeah. You know, every deal that we have to date starts with a single rep within a company and, uh, they sing our praises and that's how it gets going. Um, that said though, we, we think of ourselves as how can we be helpful at every point in the email? So that's information on the person that you're reaching out to. That's feedback on your writing. Um, that's feedback on the tonality of your writing. And so we process now, gosh, it's uh, kind of wild to think about, but over 2 million emails every single month. I was checking the numbers, um, just a couple of days wow. ago and, so we have a lot of data points that tie back to what's generating positive response. And so we feel pretty confident when we give people recommendations on how they should adjust their emails. Yeah. I I love talking to folks like you about this because I, I teach a lot of these principles that, yeah, I don't have a platform that's sending out 2 million emails with my advice though. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's very contextual where something might work really well for one client and not another client because they sell into different industries, let's say, or different personas, you know? So it's always really cool to have some more macro, you know, data, but let's talk about some of those things. There are a lot of counterintuitive things that I learned from our last conversation, which we should have recorded. That always happens. You know, you always have good conversations with people preparing for stuff and you don't record it, but what are some of the counterintuitive things that you found in the data in the last, you know, three, six, nine months? Yeah. Um, some of the counterintuitive things that we've seen in our data. Um, I think when you're a sales rep and you're writing email, the, the first one that's always surprising because it has such an impact on your score using our product would be the complexity of your writing. 70% of emails are written at or beyond a 10th grade reading level. And it's because we're trying to sound credible. We're trying to sound smart. And what happens is people don't read. They read to categorize. And so when they see these like complex sentence structures, et cetera, they just don't capture the information. And so what we find is you get 50% more response if you write at a fifth grade reading level. So that means like short words, very fifth common grade. words. Yeah. <laughs> Fifth grade. Fifth wow. grade is like optimal. It's like, it's one of the smoothest curves in our graph. It's crazy. Um, so I think like for reps, that's like the first one that they're introduced to. And they're like, that's surprising, right? Because they realize how quickly they need to just stop talking about themselves. That's like one of the, it's one of the easiest ways to simplify your writing is to stop talking about yourself. Um, the other ones, right? I sort of mentioned like how people read email. The average amount of time that someone spends reading an email is around 11 seconds. And when we started building this product, the data told us, you know, you could basically write an email um, up to like 200 words and you wouldn't really see any diminishing you know, issues with your response rates. That's changed. Yeah. You know, right now, 
the best emails are between 25 and 50 words. Um, and then probably the, let's see, what are some other ones? Yeah, using punctuation within your subject line will reduce your open rate by, I think it's 56%. Um, numbers decrease open rates by about 80%. Um, and then, uh, oh yeah, this is one of my favorites, unsure tones. So yeah, you're in the, the sales coaching world. I imagine if you went to a sales leader and you said, hey, your sales reps need to sound more tentative. They need to be more unsure. They'd probably be like, what are you talking about, right? Um, unsure tones for cold emails specifically is extremely impactful when it comes to response rates. It was like one of these things that like totally threw us for a loop. We like, we put all these things that like correlate back out to unsure tones or like when we built the product, we're like maybe that should go in like the needs work section. Maybe we should build some models to like fix these tones and like show them where they are. And then we saw the reply rate data and it's like the optimal amount is like four sentences that register as unsure. And like the graph just like climbs like crazy. Um, and so, yeah, what is it that makes an unsure tone? It's like if I'm starting an email and I'm personalizing it to Jason, I say, um, yeah, say I look at your job board. Jason, I saw you're hiring sales reps. I'd be better off saying, Jason, it looks like you might be hiring sales reps. And it's just that like softer approach. What happens is it keeps people engaged for slightly longer, which increases your chance of getting a positive response. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any others that stand out. Oh, you can uh, you can send an email with zero questions back to this unsure tonality, and you can get about the exact same reply rate as an email with one question. I was actually looking at a, a client's data um, last week, and zero question emails like outperformed all the rest by like four x, which is like kind of wild to think about. But uh, yeah, those would be those Let's... would be my like my top hits. Oh, and then the other Let's one would unpack. be, as I say, last one, mobile. You're eight times more likely to open an email the first time on a mobile phone, but you're three times more likely to send from a computer. And it is, outside of asking questions, the number one reason that conversations die, which, as you know, in sales is not a good thing. <laughs> okay, we got to unpack these here. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. One thing that, yeah. One thing that you mentioned that was interesting. So complexity of writing, you said they, people read to categorize. Mm -hmm. That's pretty interesting way to, you know, kind of think about it. People are trying to put you in a bucket. So do you think of complexity of writing? Um, like what are some examples of words that people might use? like in stuff that you've seen that are examples of stuff that's too complex, just so people have an idea of what that sounds like. Yeah. Um, my favorite go-to example, using the word leverage when use is completely appropriate yeah. and is only three letters. Um, yeah. One of the like easiest ways to think about it is like adding those letters. Yeah. One of the things it does just like creates more visual noise on the page those like first three seconds of them looking at the email, they're not actually reading anything, right? They're looking at like the structure, the format, and like they see this just like dense blob of black ink, right? 
And so thinking about those big words, it just it clouds their ability to capture the message. Yeah. Do you notice anything related to this around like spacing or paragraph breaks or anything like that, that, you know, sort of affect response rates or anything like that? Yeah, we do. Um, so we refer to that as mobile optimization, right? So that's the the breaks between these paragraphs, keeping the the copy light. Um, and as I mentioned, it's it's impactful for cold emails. I can't remember the exact numbers. Um, you know, ties back to that. It's eight times more likely to get opened. But where it really seems to shine as far as impact is the reply, and it makes sense when you think about it. Because when you're in, say, Gmail, right, and you're writing a cold email, they put it into a little box. And the little box sort of keeps you from going too crazy with your formatting. But when you're in a reply thread, that box gets a lot wider. And when the box gets wider, you just keep going. You don't break up your thoughts. And because you don't break up your thoughts, when it gets to a mobile phone, it's like 4X, like one line is like four on a phone. And so all of a sudden you've got these like dense paragraphs getting sent over and people pick up their phone and they look at it and they say, oh, I'll get to that later. And then they never do. Yeah. So short, choppy sentences, you know, mini paragraph breaks, that kind of thing. Um, where did the... The 25 to 50 words is really interesting because I find myself gravitating towards shorter and shorter and shorter emails. And like the thing that I always reference is the, you know, average adult, their reading speed is about 250 words a minute. And when you have an email, even if it's 125 words, it's like, dude, someone's not going to take 30 seconds to read that whole thing. They're going to, they're going to skim it, you know? And essentially what I'm hearing from you and the data is that knowing that someone's going to spend 11 seconds on that email, like give them the opportunity to read the entire email because it's so short. Like it feels like such a little work. Is that sort of the thinking behind that? Exactly. Right. You used to be able to, like, as we saw the, like, you know, the length of email, the average, you know, reply rate, like it just got getting shorter and shorter. You know, one of the things that was probably driving that is like, okay, you could personalize an email and probably keep them engaged still. But yeah, you know, even today, it's even still not the case. You still find like one team that we work with where I know they do fantastic personalization. They're still like after 75 words, their reply rates fall and it just like goes straight out the window. Yeah. God, that's like where I usually start with someone is if you're getting okay response rate right now to your emails, let's not tweak anything except for the length. Let's just find a way to cut it in half before we do anything yeah. else, you know, and that usually well, and it's results in an easy. increase in replies. Yep. Yeah. It's amazing how easy that is. You're totally right. Um, I'm curious when you're coaching somebody and you're like cutting the length down, what are typically the things that you're cutting? There's so much fluff in the email. There's uh will, I was, on your LinkedIn profile, and I saw a video of you doing a cold email breakdown, and that really stuck out to me because I, I love how in, in 30 seconds in you pointed this out, and I just I couldn't agree more with that, and I really appreciate everything. I'm like, just say, hey, Will, love the cold email breakdown you did. I really liked how you helped them cut the cut the email down by half. The reason I'm reaching out is, you know what I mean? It's just like, let's cut out all of the fluff. And then the other thing that I see too 
is a good rule of thumb for sentence length that I like to use is if you're reading it out loud and you have to take a breath in the middle of the sentence, it's too long. So let's just yeah. read it out loud. And if you find yourself having to take a break in the middle of the sentence, it should either be two sentences or you should cut it down. Yeah, the reading out loud is a, it's a great trick because you also figure out like where people might get tripped up. Uh, yep. If people aren't going to read it out loud, I give them just like give it the scan test, which is if you're scanning it with mm -hmm. your eyes, you're not trying to read. You're just trying to like get through top to bottom with your eyes as quickly as possible. Where did your brain stop absorbing it though? Like where did it like if you're walking, right? You almost like tripped over a pebble and then you catch yourself someplace else in the email. That's what yeah. your end reader is going to end up doing. And like you lost them as soon as that moment happened. So yeah. make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. You mentioned something there that's a interesting little detail too, where start paying attention to your own behavior more. I think people could do. When you get an email from someone that you don't know, pay attention to how you read it. You know, when you're reading your email out loud, like pay attention and be mindful of these little hiccups like you talked about and where stuff just doesn't, you know, sort of feel, you know, right. Um, one last comment, because I want to make sure that we have time to do the email breakdown is I love the unsure tones. Yeah, it looks like might be this stuff works really well on a cold yeah. call, too. And I'm curious about your thoughts, but my kind of thinking is, dude, when you sound like an asshole that just knows everything, you know, when you sound like one of those people, no one likes to engage with people like that, dude. <laughs> you know, no one no. likes a no at all. No. They just don't. And I think with with written stuff, we have so much less practice writing than speaking. We've been speaking our entire lives. We're like we've been doing it forever. And I don't think that people, when they approach writing, think about how can I write in my speaking voice? How can I write in my most authentic voice? Mm -hmm. You know, and you have to almost exaggerate some of that stuff a bit with writing because it's so much harder because you convey tone through words. There's no obvious, you know, obviously there's no auditory aspect to your tone when you're, when you're reading something. So that's really interesting. It doesn't surprise me, but one thing I took away from that is I want to actually be more intentional about that, about putting things like that yeah. in there. Even if you saw them hiring, I love the example you used, even though you see a hiring post, Hey, looks like you're hiring right now. Looks like you might be bringing new folks on board the sales team right now. You know, my guess is this, you know, like being really clear that it's just an observation and you're trying to put two and two together, but that you don't know everything. Yeah. Another phrase that I love to encourage folks to introduce into their writing is correct me if I'm wrong. Um, because Ooh, yeah. what you're doing is you're just inviting them to reply and people love to correct people. Yeah. Right. It's just like an easy, um, add in something we've used in like a, a breakup email and it's just like, it's reply catnip. You just drop it in and you get more response. <laughs> <laughs> reply catnip. I love it. Um, oh. Dude, let's break down this email. I want to make sure we have some time, you yeah, know, for yeah. this. So let's if you're listening, we're about to break down an email. We'll read it out loud for you if, you, if you're not able to, to see this, depending on how All long right. it is. Well, I don't know if we'll be able to chop it into a LinkedIn video or not. But if we can keep it under 10 minutes, we can. I don't know if we can work that fast, dude. <laughs> oh, man. I've, pressure's on. Okay. So should I share my screen or you want to share yours? Here, I'll let share me um, Let's do that. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. I got it. All righty. So we've got 
this email here, background is they're reaching out to the CFO at a major consumer packaged goods company. It's Fiji Water. We, we were talking about it beforehand. We're like, hey, it's kind of hard to talk through personalization without telling you who we're reaching out to, right? So we're reaching out to the CFO at Fiji Water. It's a travel expense SaaS company. And the subject line is three words, technically not optimal. Two words is what the data would suggest. Um, and it starts like this. Uh, subject line, travel and expense. Hi, Julie. Sorry to barge in. Curious if you've thought about automating, or curious if you've thought of automating the reconciliation process entirely, question mark, valued at over $7.5 billion, our company has helped case study and another case study streamline T&E process to reduce costs by 30% lower monthly reconciliation from two weeks to two hours and provide real-time visibility and process policy control at the time of swipe. And um, smart cards is in uh, little, what are, what are the words for parentheses at that point? Um, worth a quick chat. Talk soon. P.S. 2022 G2 report ranks us number one for travel management, spend management, and all caps, expense management. Uh, number one across all categories while being an all-in-one solution. That's quite the PS there. Um, so Jason, I'm curious, just like first thing you brought up was like these like fluff moments where you could immediately start to improve writing. Are you looking at that sorry to barge in at the get-go <laughs> like I am? Yeah. Yeah, you okay, got to cut out. You should never apologize, in my opinion. Never, ever apologize for uh, doing your job. You know, so always going to take that out. I, I don't really like. I don't really like the question either. I don't think is necessary. It's it's so wordy. OK, so if yeah. you think about how a grade level is defined, right, it's the number of syllables per sentence per word across this thing. And so you've got words like curious thought, automating, reconciliation, process entirely. That is like so dense. Uh, I'm not against starting with a question. I will say the data supports, if you're going to have one question here, you should probably cut the question down here. Um, so like if you're going to do like this sort of like Josh Braun poke the bear at the top kind of deal, like the question at the end should be like, if this resonates, uh, let's connect, which uses a conditional statement to create unsure tones that still invites response. Um, so I'm just, I'm thinking through this and you know, Jason, your reply framework and the way I frame out an email uh, both come to my mind, which is we both typically like to start an email with an observation. Yep. Um, there's nothing personalized about this email. It's, uh, it's a lot about this company. It's, you know, there's a point where it says valued at over $7.5 billion, like our company, which I'm like, that is irrelevant information for this email. <laughs> right. Um, yep. and so like, there's, there's just like, it's very me focused, not you focused. Um, you know, it's, it's cool that they're bringing in case studies. Are they relevant? 
mm, I don't know. Um, they literally just pick some other large companies to name drop, which I guess maybe if you're a chat to Fiji water might help, but um, probably want to focus in the consumer packaged goods space if you're going to try to build credibility there. But this is an entire, this whole paragraph is one sentence, um, top to bottom, which is like yeah. wild to me. And so if you view that on a phone, that's going to be like a total monstrosity. Um, where the quick chat is not like the worst CT on the planet, though. I don't, I don't hate that. Curious if you have any other feedback. And then the Jason. PS, what are, you, what are your thoughts on the PS? Oh, God, I would get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, I would delete the PS too. The G2 yeah, ranking and all of that kind of stuff I would get rid of. Yeah. Okay. G2 ranking, not adding any value here. Okay. Um, so even in my opinion, even if all you did with this is, uh, is you got rid of the value at over 7.5 billion and, you know, company has helped case study. You might say, um, you know, case study company used our help to streamline the T&E process to reduce costs by 30%, blah, blah, blah. Even if you did that, it would perform better than it is right now. Mm -hmm. But I, uh, I would almost want to start from scratch, you know, with this, but what do you think? Where would you, if you were writing this email, where would you get started? You know, yeah, first, I have so, some ideas too. Yeah. First thing I do is research, right? And so you and I talked about this. We did like two seconds of research on Fiji and we figured out pretty quickly, this company cares a lot about sustainability. The other thing is I went to their LinkedIn page, looked at employee count where they're hiring, and you can see that they've got job openings within sales. So travel is probably something that's coming up across the sales org. Um, sustainability is important to them. You know, travel expense management, if you could tie that back to sustainability, that angle, I think there's something there. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Jason? Uh, I love that like too. That's what we found on Fiji. I love this like doing more with less sustainability initiative. It's mm -hmm. pretty interesting. That's what I would start with. I, I love this doing more with less. I feel like ties into this company pretty well. I'll let you keep going. Yeah. I have some ideas on you know kind of language. I'm curious kind of what you would approach. Uh, what you might do. Yeah. And I'm kind of sort of jotting some things down on my end on the other side. <laughs> yeah. So it'd be like, Julie, with your doing more with less um, initiative, how has uh, travel, maybe I say, curious if travel expenses have factored in. So what you're seeing me do there is I asked a question and then I restated it as a statement and I use this as like a way to use an unsure tone essentially. So basically what I'm saying is like, okay, I started with yeah, is travel expenses factored in? And then I switched that and I said, so doing, uh, so Julie, with your doing more with less initiative, curious if travel expenses have factored in. So I'm just stating that I'm curious, but by stating that I'm curious, I've introduced almost like a, a tractor beam of like uncertainty that like invites response. Um, yeah. Then I'm trying to think of how I'd phrase this. Um, you mentioned on, on the company site, and I want to pull up the company because I'm not trying to like put any reps in hot water here, but 
with the the company site, how did they refer to their um, expense management for sustainability that they're doing? Yeah, so they had a really interesting guide that I found, and it was sustainable spend management, three key steps. So it was following environmental, social, and corporate governance, so ESG practices, which is essentially what Fiji Water's doing. Um, and your spend management process is not only how to run the business responsibly, but it can have a powerful impact on the bottom line. So download the guide to learn the impact that ESG practices can have on a company's finances, three steps to take towards sustainable spend management, and best practices to follow for more sustainable spending. I love that. I love that. Okay, so um, as CPG companies, like, and then I'll just say I'm copying and pasting case study here. So let's just assume we've got a case study of a group that um, used this SaaS brand for sustainability. So as CPG companies like blank have put a focus on um, sustainability, that's going to be really wordy. I'm realizing this in real time. <laughs> the joys of doing this live, right? Um, yeah, we're helping CPG companies like this brand. They account for this in their spend. It's all automated. Thought you find it interesting, but wasn't sure if you had something in place for this already. And then worth a quick chat something like that where it's now personalized which the data on personalization shows that you're going to get two times the amount of response um i'm bringing credibility to back up um why i'm bringing this up right um and then I'm sort of speaking to the fact of like what we can do to automate that bring more of that unsureness of like, hey, I don't know if you have anything in place for this, but worth a quick chat. I might go through and edit this some more, but like overall, I think this is a much better email than this other email where we're just like talking about ourselves, you know, because we have to recognize the position where the other person's in, which is, you know, Julie, CFO, is putting out fires in her daily job. Um, yeah, she's spending, if she, she spends as much time in Excel as I imagine a CFO at Fiji Brands does, like spending time in their inbox is probably not what they want to be doing. <laughs> and so I'm thinking like, okay, I want to frame this as much around what they do and you know, soften my language and approach them in a way that's just like, hey, I don't know if you have anything in place for this, but it's something we can help with. Uh, I love this, dude. The uh, So this email, what would you use for the subject line? Great question. So, um, I know you said not to go more than two words, but I do like doing more with less as the subject line, yeah. just because it's the exact name of the initiative, you know, it is, but I also know they're going to see it in the preview text. So part of me is like, what if I just did, um, sustainability and expenses? Or sustainability expenses like this. Or just sustainability also. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, 
or like sustainability. Do you see any differences with capitalization, a capitalization or anything like that? And yeah, you notice the lines. Is that something you guys have measured? <laughs> yeah, we we find across our data set using that title case is more effective. Really? Um, yeah, because yeah. I know a lot of people have been talking about lower casing, but that's that's what we're seeing. Um, we we track this on a month by month basis, but um, yeah. And I always tell folks like just just A B test it, right? Like if you have doubts about like yeah. something like that, just test it. Um, so doing something like sustainability reporting issues could be another way where it's like, hey, if that's a problem, that could be a really like interesting way to go about it. Um, so like if you're yeah, deliverability issues, if I'm talking to like another company about email or um reply rate uh issues yeah issues seems to be a good word yeah. for grabbing opens yeah interesting maybe because i imagine um so if i'm, I'm starting with this doing more with less curious if travel expenses have factored in i imagine showing i imagine showing publicly how your spend is matching up with marketing would be impactful. Most CPG groups I talk with have no way to track it. We've automated that and so much more. Open to learning how Something like that. And then a great follow-up too could be something like um, you mentioned that they had that white paper on their website. Be like, Julie, our marketing team put together a great um, paper about um, bringing sustainability um, reporting into you know, financial practices. I thought you'd find it interesting given you know, the Fiji brand um, and then maybe I'd say something like, um, yeah, if automating this within your organization is a challenge, I'm happy to, yeah, explain how we can help. But these practices, uh, regardless of, yeah, software solutions are going to be helpful for a company like yours. Check it out, right? And then just hyperlink to it. And that'd be a great follow-up email. Yeah, I love it, dude. Uh, the only other idea I had here that I think might be kind of interesting is, you know, hooking back the doing more with less, you know, kind of thing into a call to action potentially too, you know, where it's, um, Oh yeah. Cause like it's all automated, right? So, you it's know, like yeah. So-and-so company is using, uh, our help to do, to, to take a doing more with less approach to. You know, how they manage their travel expenses or something like that. You know, you could maybe hook it back there. Yeah. But so um, case study. Yeah. All right. So I'd say like because uh a case study doing more with less, open to seeing how. Something like that. Um but yeah, no, you're yeah. right. Um we're out of time. But this is fun. <laughs> you you can tell I can jam on this like all no, day. No, this is great, dude. Yeah, I love this. We went from something that was like all about like us and how we can streamline and do all this other stuff to, 
hey, I noticed that you're focused on doing more with less. Imagine if you could do this thing. Most people that I talk to, like you complain about the ability, the inability to do that or this thing that they're focused on. Um, hey, before you take off, though, where can people go to check you out and uh, Lavender? Yeah, um, I was clicking the stop sharing button, but I was realizing I was staring at my mouse on the shared screen. <laughs> um, so they can go to my LinkedIn. Uh, I sort of view that as the hub for ways to get in touch with me. You can always email me. It's just my name uh, at trylavender.com. Um, but yeah, hit me up. I'm, I'm always happy to help with emails and uh, yeah, check out the product if you're into it.